Hey folks, welcome to the Bear Hunting Podcast. Thanks for everybody for tuning in today, um, and thanks for your support. Uh, this is our eighth episode, and uh, honestly, I've kind of been overwhelmed with the response <laughs> to this podcast, so uh, thanks for all the great feedback and uh, your questions. So, uh, And I guess to honor that, today is going to be a Q&A session, uh, and a lot of the questions sort of had the same general theme so normally in the future what I'd like to do is uh, bring in like an expert uh, to answer some of these questions but a lot of them had to do with sort of the same theme and it went kind of along with my you know my 2016 bear hunt that I did so I thought well maybe I'll just tell the story of that hunt today and that way I'll actually answer some of the questions so Oh, that's what we're going to do today, but before that, um, I want to let everybody know that we actually have a website now, uh, www.bearhuntingpodcast.com, so uh, check that out, and on there I'm going to start posting, I don't know if I'm going to do it with every episode, but definitely a lot of them, uh, blog posts that kind of accompany it with pictures and all that, so... Uh, my intention when I first started the podcast was to try to post pictures for every episode with uh, on my Instagram and Facebook, but that uh, it doesn't work well. So anyway, we're going to post a blog with every, not every episode, but a lot of them. So uh, let's see. And uh, any more questions that you have, which I'm sure there's lots, send um, to my email address, uh, bearhuntingpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, now, and if you don't already, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Um, on Instagram, we're at Bear Hunting Podcast, and Facebook is Bear Hunting Podcast. So uh, check those out. Um, I'll post you know all our episodes on there and everything. So check that out, and tons of pictures there too. So I really appreciate that. And the last sort of bookkeeping item I've got here is to, if if you can, stop on iTunes or Google and leave us a review. Uh, I guess that helps when people search us. But the nice thing for us is that if you just search bear hunting podcast on iTunes or Google, we're the only thing, well, we're the main thing that pops up, So, which is cool. So anyway, um all right, so on to our questions today. So uh, they, they all sort of centered around long-range baiting. Um, you know, and so today, this this episode is going to seem a little Michigan-centric or, or Great Lakes-centric, you know, but really it's not because the stuff I'm going to go over today kind of... It'll apply to a lot of places. So say you're a guy in South Dakota or North Dakota and you want to go bait bears in Wyoming, right? And it's a long, it's a pretty long distance from um, the Dakotas to Wyoming, right? This is going to, the stuff I'm going to go over today is really going to apply to that. Say you live in Anchorage, Alaska, and you're going to bait up in unit, I think it's 13, which is way north of there, you know, this applies to you. Uh, if you're, you know, say, I don't know, somebody in East Washington State and uh, uh, you want to go to Idaho, here you go, this is for you. 
So, and then obviously if you're, say, from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and you want to bait bears at your cabin up north, and it's six-hour drive, there you go. You live in Detroit, want to bait in the Newberry unit of Michigan, here you go. So, anyway, this is all for you. Um, but, uh, anyway, so the, uh, sort of the first question is how... And I'm sort of paraphrasing here, but how how do you go about long, you know, baiting? Because I think the common uh, question a lot of people have is they think that you have to bait every day. And I, I think what they've sort of read between the lines and with some of my hunts I've talked about, not my, just my hunts, but even uh, last week we had Kyle Virgin on and he coined it as bomber bait runs. So we're going to affectionately use that for the rest of the episode. But, uh, um, you know, you don't have to bait every day. You know, that there's, a, I don't know if it's tribal knowledge from bear hunting sources or whatever, but they make it seem like you have to bait every day. And you don't actually have to. Um, there, You have to do things to compensate for not baiting every day. But um, anyway, so we'll go over that. But um Anyway, so the, the main questions I've been getting on this is just sort of how do you go about it? Because they figured from listening to the podcast that I often don't bait every day. So um, we'll go over that. So this last year, uh, we'll, and we'll start with the story of the hunt here and, and kind of go along with it. So the story, last uh, bear, Michigan bear tags get drawn in, at the end of June, and at the same time, <laughs> I sort of had a weird year. Uh, every year I put in for a Michigan elk tag. And in Michigan, there's a limited range, or limited herd of free-range elk. There's about 36,000 people that apply, and they only give out 100 to 200 tags every year. And so I always put in for it and never expect to draw it, right? So... Prior to tag draws, I put in for the uh, a unit here in the UP of Michigan where I live, and because right where I live is it's called the Amasaw unit, and it's awesome, awesome bear hunting, but you can't draw a tag every year, and so I have to travel a little ways to bait. It's at a minimum about 30 minutes to an hour um, to get out of the the unit that I live in to bait bears where I can in a unit that I can draw a tag every year so I uh, I planned to put in for uh, the Barriga unit and uh, I almost hate to say what units I'm using but there's it's pretty vague so anyway uh, plan to put in for the Barriga unit and hunt there so it's about an hour drive to the Barriga unit line and I had scouted, found an awesome, awesome spot. It was a little bit of work to get to, but, you know, it was a new site and it was cool. So, anyway, I uh, had planned to do that and, and try it out and try to bait often and everything was going to be good. Well, uh, tag draws come out and I drew my bear tag and it's late at night and I, I'm like, well, maybe I'll, I should check my elk tag just, you know, because what are the chances, I mean they're astronomical that'll draw this tag and uh lo and behold i drew an antlerless elk tag um and so it's a great problem to have but 
it kind of threw off my bear hunting plans this year. So for the first little bit of the summer, uh, I kind of shifted gears and um, focused on scouting for elk and all that. And I still wanted to bear hunt. And so what I had to do was I was like, well, my old tried and true spot, and it's my favorite spot to hunt, is in the Barriga unit as well. And I was like, well, it's a longer distance away, but I know it's a good spot. And I know if I just put a ton of bait there that I'll be able to hold bears because there is a lot of bears there. So it'll sort of mitigate the risk of a new spot and everything. So I decided to do that and because the elk hunt Michigan runs right in the middle of our bait season in, in Michigan because I always draw what's called third season tags I've talked about this in other podcasts but uh, the third season tags they start September 25th you're allowed to bait bears starting August 10th in the, in the UP of Michigan and so I uh, uh, basically I had a the elk season was in the middle of the last day of August, anyways, when it started, and so right right in the center of baiting season is when I had to go elk hunt, which is you know a good problem to have. So anyway, I uh, I started baiting August 10th, and what I would do is my spot, my tried and true spot, is about two hours from home, and so what I was doing is I had to. Uh, get up at and I Michigan's weird too we got two time zones I live in central time and up there is eastern time and so I had to wake up at 3 30 in the morning and drive well okay I would bait Wednesdays and Saturdays on Wednesdays I would wake up at 3 30 in the morning drive two hours to the bait site to get there right at first light I would bait bears um, and what I would do is I would put out a ton of bait, probably a barrel's worth, if not more, of bait every single time I, I baited. And you know, and that sort of situational dependent. Um, that spot that I have, I was feeding. I count. I just counted on the trail camera. Um, I, I save all my trail camera data, and I look through it in the winter time usually. And I was feeding about 13 unique bears. So I was going through a lot of bait. Um, and normally when you're when you're baiting a spot and say you can bait it every day or every other day, what you do is you put out, you know, a lot of people put out five gallons, say. That's a pretty standard number. They bring out just a five-gallon bucket of bait, put it out, and come back the next day every day and bait. And it works because the, the bears, even if you run out of bait, the bears learn that, hey, there's going to be bait here every single day. And they don't really get a chance to, say, wander off or, you know, find other food sources. And so you can hold big bears and you pattern them because they know, okay, the food's going to be out, especially if you bait the same time. Um, they're going to be out this, you know, they, they figure out that you come in at, say, 4 o'clock or 3 o'clock or noon or whatever it is you know every single day and so they can count on their being food then and so that's a great way to do it um and i mean that i think that's probably the best way that's how i've shot my biggest bears but that's not realistic for everybody i mean i know with my work there's no way i can sneak out at noon or get there before prime hunting time to bait every day that's just not feasible so 
what I have to do is I have to, and I'm sure this is the case with a lot of people, you have to do bomber bait runs where you go out, you know, go out in the middle of the week, go out just on the weekends, something, whatever you have to do to bait bears. And the way to get around baiting um, with a bait every day is you put out tons and tons of bait to where they there's something no matter what there's some bait left when you get back and uh it's hard i mean i was literally putting out probably a barrel barrel and a half of when i say a barrel 55 gallon drum of bait every three days you know and they were going through it it was insane but that's what you got to do and the nice thing about that is big bears realize holy smokes there's a ton of bait here and I'm just gonna park it right here and I'm gonna control this thing. And so that's one of the benefits to baiting a lot is you can hold mature bear because they just dominate that bait. And that's what happened this year. And we'll get into that later. But um anyway, so uh that's what I was doing is I was going on in Saturdays I would go in the middle of the day, whatever. Uh but on the Wednesday mornings, I would wake up super early, drive out there, and I'd have my I'd have my bait clothes on. I'd drive out, I would put out tons of bait, and then I'd drive out of the woods. And before I got out of the woods, I'd change my work clothes. And I work in an office, so I'm in a polo and khakis. <laughs> it was just such a strange change of you know clothing or whatever. But anyway, so that's kind of what would happen, and uh, and so that's what I started out with, and. Um, it it worked so um that kind of leads me into you know i'm sure somebody a lot of people are asking right now well how and i've gotten questions about this is you know you talk about feeding a lot of bears with a lot of bait and that's how you get around baiting every day well it's kind of expensive to bait because i talk about quality bear bait a lot i talk about using trail mix uh and things that'll hold bears well, that there's no way you can put out. I mean, you'll go broke putting out a 55 gallon drum of trail mix every single every three days or so. And that's correct. I don't do that. Um, so this is um, how am I going to put this? So in when I talk about trail mix, it applies to folks that are hunting late fall hunts. Okay. Uh, that where there is a hard mast that comes into bloom or, or you know, it, it comes ripe when you're about to hunt bears. That's when you need to use trail mix. If you have hazelnuts, beech nuts, acorns, uh, I mean, I don't know if it's the same with like white pine nuts out west. I'm sure it is. But that's how you hold, how you keep big bears on your bait It was with that. Now, say springtime uh july august whenever you're allowed to bait right you um you don't need to use that high quality of bait bears even when there's berries uh ripe you don't need to use that high quality of bait so what i usually do is called a filler bait okay um you put out a little bit of good bait you know draw the bears in or whatever but in order to feed a lot of bears honestly you've got to put out things that i won't it's not junk but it's not it's not trail mix for instance or granola or whatever or cookies you know it's just you can't you can't feed a lot of bear at least i can i mean i don't make that kind of money but 
um, I, I can't feed that many bears that high quality bait all the time. So what I do is, and me and others use filler baits, okay? Um, filler bait would include popcorn, dog food, uh, day-old bread, day-old donuts, uh, whatever you can do, whatever you can get your hands on, right? Something I like to do, uh, and I know a lot of Canadian outfitters do, is they make basically a homemade granola. And so what I do, and I'll give you my granola recipe here. So in case you haven't figured out, granola is made of oats, okay? So, and I don't think the bears really care that it's processed or not, you know? So what I do is you can go to most feed mills, and I know up here, I can get a hundred pounds of oats for about 10 to 13 cents a pound, which is way, way cheaper than you can buy pretty much any bait from a bait dealer from, okay? And you can get a lot of it for really cheap. So what I do is I get that, and then I will go, and I will go to a bait dealer, and I will get ingredients like craisins, uh, this one particular year, I use, one year I used dates, um, candy, uh, you know, like gummy candy especially, or, or, you know, like Skittles or something like that. Um, what else do I put in there? Uh, cookie dough, um, just things that, you know, you would put in a granola, really. But try to keep it, I try to keep it as natural as possible, because it, it seems like the bears will keep hitting... Um, they, they die, it seems like they digest natural food better. And so it, it holds them better for whatever reason. So, uh, I get things to, that I would make my own granola with, right? And then what I do is I get, uh, either like frosting or pie filling, um, molasses, uh, and I get that, and then the the key ingredient, the other key ingredient I do is I go to, uh, I get a bait additive from one of the bear attracting companies. So I've used uh, Boar Masters Barely Legal, I've used Batum 907 Sweet Surrender, and I've used uh, Big Bear Sense Bear Crack. And they all work phenomenally well. But what I do is I, I add that to it too so I, I take uh, I take the the oats and I essentially process them myself at home and I make granola with it I take the oats I mix the the cool stuff like like uh, cherry chips or, or candy or craisins or whatever and get my hands on um, oh and one year I did like cookie crumbs you know that that worked really nice um, and so I mix that in there. I put in the molasses or the pie filling or the frosting, whatever I have. You know, I look for good deals. You know, that's what you got to do is look for good deals. And a little bit of that stuff goes a long way in your granola. You don't want to go too crazy with it. And uh, I, I mix that all in there, and I and then I sprinkle, you know, sparingly some of that bait added, the sweetener additive that the bear attracting companies sell into there. And I mix it all up by by hand. I, what I should do is I should get a big like cement mixer and do that. But um, that's what I do, and the bears love it. Uh, pretty much until the hard mass comes in. For me, it's acorns. Uh, once the acorns hit, 
they don't they'll still eat it but not to the extent that they were but in august early september they hammer uh they hammer they love it so then i like to put out uh and they don't go through it yeah i mean they go through quite a bit of it but especially since i sweeten it and thicken it up too they i don't know they it, it works really well so anyway i mean i'm not saying it's the best bait but basically it works really well for me, and it's way, way cheaper than buying a Tota granola. I'll tell you that. So, um, so that's what I do. Um, that's my filler bait. That's one of my filler baits. I've, you know, bought cheap cookies. The other thing I like to do, uh, I go and get day-old donuts sometimes. And you, you can't really get a whole enough day-old donuts to hold for a while and then the other thing too is is it's hard to store day-old donuts because uh, I try to go before season and get donuts and it gets moldy and the bears will still eat the moldy donuts but then you got a pile of moldy donuts in your garage unless you have got a big freezer and that works so uh, but uh, the other thing I like to do uh, bread a lot of people think that Maybe they just don't even think about bread, but I like to, I'll go to bakeries and to be like, oh, I'll, I'll ask them, do you have, you know, do you have any bear bait or whatever? And they'll be like, well, no, we just have some bread. Well, that'll work too. And I'll get garbage bags and garbage bags, old bread. And and it works great. So I, I'll add some of that sweetener powder to, um, you know, pick your favorite brand or whatever, but uh Add your add the sweetener powder to the bread and, and maybe a little molasses on top and throw that out there too. The bears really love bread um, early in the season, so um, so there you go. Uh, you know, a lot of guys. I've never personally popped popcorn. I I know it works well. I just haven't done it. Uh, and what I su would suggest if you do that is add some sweetener powder to it. That would really help. Um, and and popcorn's nice because it you know it's light. So and it's it's a lot of volume. I don't I don't know how much I never really I guess my concern with it is that it just doesn't seem like it would hold the bears forever because it seems like they go through it. I mean, think about how much how much popcorn you can sit and eat in one sitting. I just think the bears would go through it really fast. Maybe they don't. I mean I know a lot of guys love popcorn, so I'm not gonna knock it. So it's probably pretty good. Um some of it asked about is dog food. Uh I got a question on that. Do you like dog food? Well, Dog food's great, but unless you're getting uh, like old reject dog food or something, it's kind of expensive to actually buy it. You're better off, honestly, buying uh, commercial bait or whatever from a bait dealer than buying dog food just because it comes out kind of expensive. I mean, if that's all you have, it it definitely works. I would sweeten it up for sure, but it i my first year baiting bears. I use dog food, and I end up spending a lot of money because, you know, it, the store doesn't give you a good deal on it. So, and the bears eat a lot of it. So, so, but I mean, I know it works. I mean, they do in Alaska. Seems they love to use dog food out there. So, um, I know it works. I, I imagine. I mean, maybe, maybe somebody from Alaska will tell me. It seems like they have a trouble getting bait out there. So, but, uh, anyway, um, I mean, so I guess that kind of covers filler baits. You know, it's not, and it's good to put some high quality stuff out there. You know, it a little bit helps, like a little treat to get them 
maybe it'll dig through the bait or whatever, but, um, you know, for the most part early in the year, especially, the filler baits work really well. Uh, the year I shot my biggest bear, I put out until, I think it was September 15th, I put out my homemade granola and bread, and that's all I used. So, uh, that works, you know, that's kind of what I do. But anyway, this year, so this last year I used, I made some homemade granola, um, and I think that particular mix I was using, let's see, some oats, some frosting, pie filling, uh, I think I was using Big Woods Bear Crack, or Big Bear Sense Bear Crack, um, and what else was I using? That was about it, so, um, sorry if you hear my dog barking in the background, so, it's kind of a raw podcast if some of you haven't noticed, but, thanks for tuning in anyway. Um, let's see. So that's kind of what I do, and and that's how I'm able to feed so many bears and put out so much bait is that you, you have to go cheap. It, it's just, I mean, now now what I do, you have to watch your trail cameras. Um, prime example is a couple years ago, I was, the year I shot my biggest bear, uh, acorns came on and I was using my cheap filler bait and all of a sudden I noticed the bait going cold. And I, I knew that because I was watching my trail cameras very closely and I noticed, okay, the bear activity is dipping down just a little bit. I mean, it, it was more than a little bit, but it was an, it may not have been perceivable to some, but I noticed it. And I said, all right, time to switch to the quality good bait. And so I switched to trail mix. And immediately the bear started hitting really hard again. You know, And that's the time frame that a lot of folks around here, for instance, think, yeah, it's no good to be baiting anymore. It's not worth it. You know, they don't hit the baits anymore. Well, they're not hitting the baits because you've been using granola and you keep using granola. It, you know, they don't want granola anymore because they can get a better food source from, you know, the acorns around them. They're going to fatten up quicker off that. So that's what they're going to, to eat, you know. So that's basically it so if you if you do use a filler bait and you are hunting a later season hunt you have to watch your trail cameras um i i can't stress that enough that is um that's how your baits go cold is if you're not watching that trail camera so uh, anyway so uh i baited back to my story here so i baited uh bears all throughout august and it they absolutely hammered it so and uh first i had uh, a bunch of young bears, and that was good. And then some bigger bears showed up. And actually, uh, the the guys out west were like, "Oh, big deal." But uh, I actually had a uh, a chocolate bear show up on my bait here in Michigan, which is extremely rare. We don't really have color phase. We have a lot of white blazed bears, but we don't have any color phase bears for the most part. So I was like, "Whoa!" So I had a little. It was a yearling, but I, <laughs> he had a chocolate coat, and I couldn't believe it. So. It's kind of cool, but uh, anyway, uh, so I baited bears all throughout August, um, and then my elk hunt came up, and so I only, I was going to be gone for a week, I figured a week anyway, and so I just dumped as much bait out as I could. I probably, I put out probably three barrels worth of bait, and so... Um, and we don't have a bait limit here in Michigan other than you can't put out straight grains like straight corn or straight oats um, more than two gallons so um, but and that's kind of, kind of the key you got to process everything so 
So I put out two, a whole bunch of, of stuff, homemade granola, I had some bread and donuts, uh, uh, I had a bunch of uh, cheap uh, cookies, um, I think that was it, so, and I, and I was using, at that point too, I started to use a little bit of, I had some mixed nuts I was using, so, uh, and that held the bears the whole time, so, and also, too, during this time, I had uh, two big bears. It looked, um, there was actually a really big sow and an even bigger boar that started to dominate the bait. Just like I, just like, you know, I, I said, you can get, uh, I, those two bears started to dominate the bait and a lot of the other bears disappeared. I mean, there were still other bears that would show up, but these two bears were there all the time. And so I was pretty excited, but... Anyway, so I went on my elk hunt, and uh, very thankfully, I shot my elk on opening day because uh, I put in my work ahead of time, and found, I knew where the elk were, and I shot my elk on opening day, and that was awesome. So so I could get back to bear hunting right away. Um, man, I'm spoiled. It's so ridiculous. But anyway, uh, so got back. Uh, Kept and the bears were still hitting. I still had a little bit of bait left, so I kept baiting the bears uh, all the way through September. And then I really started to put out a lot of nuts uh, come later in the season because I knew it was getting close to acorn drop. Now this particular last year there wasn't a whole lot of acorns, so in years like that where there's not a whole lot of hard mass, you can probably get away with just keep using the filler bait. But but the other thing though too is that if you have uh, a high quality, say, nut-based bait, and there's no other bait, well, <laughs> then you're they're going to flock to your bait because you're the only show in town. So uh, that's what's good about that. So uh, let's see. So uh, got to season, and uh, I kept doing the same routine. I would um, bait every Wednesday, and Saturday so um, let's see so then I guess we got to our hunt here so um, held those big bears all throughout the, the season and um, finally got there now what happened with my hunt is the weather was beautiful and then all of a sudden and I had trail camera photos of my bears in daylight that these big mature bears in the daylight too so that's the other thing I, I know some folks think that um, if you give them as much food as they want, those big bears won't come out in the day. They don't need to, but I don't know. I, I personally haven't seen that. I'm not saying that's wrong, but I haven't seen that. I, no matter how much food I put out, the big bears still come out early. So, um, anyway, well, until the hunt anyway this year. So, anyway, got to my hunt, and the beginning of this hunt was the worst weather I've ever hunted in. Uh, the first day it was just monsoon rain. Uh, it just didn't stop raining. And normally, and it, and it was really nice weather, and all of a sudden it just snapped, got cold too. And that late in the season, that can put bears in kind of a, a weird spiral. Like they, they start to go, oh man, maybe it's time to hibernate. So... Um, my first day of the hunt, I didn't see anything. My normally totally daytime bears went, you know, they didn't show up during the day. Now I had them on trail camera at night, um, so I was like, shoot. So day two, 
uh, the there was like 60 mile an hour winds, and I was up in this tree, and it was going, I was starting to, it was bending so much, I was looking down at the ground, and I just said, that's enough of that, so I actually pulled out, and, and it was fine, because I checked the trail camera later, and there was no, they didn't come out until like midnight that night, so they were hunkered down too. So, uh, that gets me to day three, day three or four, maybe, oh, oh, I know what happened, I was, my work schedule was crazy, and I actually couldn't hunt the third day, so the fourth day is when it was, so I got out there, and no action, no action, and then 20 minutes before last light, right behind me where i hunt um they they went through and selected cut because it's actually on commercial forest land it's technically it's owned by the timber companies and they get a tax deduction for allowing hunters to hunt on their land which is a cool thing here in michigan that we do and uh and the nice thing about that is it's hunt public hunting land, but it's super well managed because the forestry companies come and they selective cut the good trees, and oftentimes they leave the good, uh, the high, you know, the younger trees that are bearing crops still and everything, and it opens up the canopy, allows the berries to grow. It's just it's it's actually really nice land to hunt. So, um, anyway, uh, it but so they they cut it a few years back. And the forest is starting to regenerate in the opening. So there's a lot of young in, in this particular area. There's a lot of uh, what's regenerating anyways. Red oak and hemlock and yellow birch. So very, it's very thick. Uh, I was surprised how much it grew up in the past couple of years actually. So anyway, the to my left, just behind me about 10 yards... Um, 20 minutes last late, all of a sudden I hear this pound. I'm like, what is that? And I look, and all of a sudden I see a tree branch start shaking, and another pound. I'm like, what in the world? And I realize this is that big bear. And I'm kind of puzzling. I'm like, did the bear win me? Or did it, you know, and, and it's, for one thing, it's 20 minutes last night. I'm like, all right, all right I got to get ready to take a shot here it's going to come out hopefully it comes out well the bear never came out and it and i and i never heard it walk away because it was making a lot of noise it never left it stayed right there and i'm like oh man and finally you got too dark to where i mean it was past shooting hours and i couldn't see i'm like oh man i gotta get out of the tree <laughs> and i'm like uh and so i very yeah that's that's sketchy man so the bear bear hunting is an adventure and if you're on the fence about bear hunting do it man what a rush uh so anyway and i'm by myself i don't really have cell phone service uh it's yeah very fun situation so anyway i get out of the, the tree and there's this bear that's very angry at me and the bear's not more than 10 yards away from me and i can't see it that's the problem it's so thick i i mean i still can't believe i didn't get a shot but i it seriously was so thick i couldn't see it but somehow that bear i don't know if the bear busted me or figured there was something there i i don't know and so um that leads me to i want to talk about <laughs> i 
if you've been paying attention to the past two episodes, you'll notice that on one episode, I said, uh, it was the episode with Richard P. Smith, I told Richard that I practiced full scent control. And then on the next episode with Kyle Virgin, uh, the Alaska episode, <laughs> I told him I don't believe in scent control. And so right there, if you're paying attention, you're probably thinking, this guy doesn't really, what is he talking about? <laughs> he just contradicted himself. And um, basically, I'm very conflicted about scent control. Uh, my true stance is I, <laughs> to be honest, I practice it, but I don't believe in it. But I practice it just in case I'm wrong. <laughs> so, okay, so here's the thing. Um, I ha have a lot of trouble believing that some of these products that claim to make you scent-free or reduce your scent, I know none of them really claim to make you scent-free, but they claim to make your scent come down to a level to where it doesn't bother the wildlife, right? Like whatever you're hunting. And that's sort of the thing. That's the thing with the carbon suits or whatever. It, it reduces your scent output. And I understand that. And I don't know. I just have trouble believing it. A lot of that is because of personal experiences. So I actually do hunt with a carbon suit as much as I've been knocking them. And I didn't actually buy it because I'm like, oh, I want a carbon suit for scent control. I bought it because it was on sale at Gander Mountain for $30. <laughs> so, and it's a it's a name brand one. I won't name the brand, but it's a name brand scent suit, right? And it's carbon, all that, right? And I wear merino wool base layers underneath, which reduce your scent. I, before my hunts, I take a shower in unscented, uh, and I guess they actually are scent control. It's scent control soaps or whatever that don't have any scent. I put my clothes in a bag, in a plastic bag, before the hunt. I don't get dressed until I get out to the field. Even after I, I don't, I wear my bait clothes, and then when I leave, I switch into my hunting clothes. And then out in the field, I wear rubber boots, uh, and I play the wind. I do all the scent control stuff, right? <laughs> and I've still been busted. I'm pretty diligent with the scent control thing. I've been busted by, I'm and I'm perhaps I got busted by this bear. I'm not sure what happened. The wind was was good, but it was swirling just a little bit, and maybe that's what happened. I don't know, but supposedly if you are a you know practicing scent control in those carbon suits especially that shouldn't matter right I, I don't know and and you know what I'd love to be proven wrong I I would love it if it actually worked I maybe it does maybe I'm doing something wrong and you know I'm very conflicted about it and and the future I want to bring on people that I want to have debates about it because it's a very big deal with bear hunting um, you know and there's a lot of conflict in it too. There's people that are like, yeah, there's no, and they, you know, and I'm, I don't claim to be an expert bear hunter. I, you know, I haven't shot really any huge bears at all either. You know, I'm, I'm good at shooting bears, but I'm not very good at shooting huge bears at all. And so, 
Um, but I have heard from folks that do shoot very big bears consistently conflicting things. Uh, prime example, Richard P. Smith, uh, who we had on a couple weeks ago, uh, very avid advocate, very big advocate for scent control, and he claims that uh, he has shot a lot of his big bears because of scent control. And maybe he's right. I, I'm not sure. I personally haven't seen it, and you know, and I and I try. So I don't know. I'm kind of curious about that, I guess. So, but yeah, that. So if you were wondering where what I was talking about, that's my personal take on. I, I, I don't believe in it, but I practice it. So just in case I'm wrong. And and here's the thing too. I. So. Um. What a lot of, maybe, and this is a very gross generalization, but I would say that Western hunters um, know this, but it's a thing that Eastern hunters maybe not, don't know, and this is a gross generalization, so if this doesn't apply to you, I'm sorry, but uh, thermals, right? So, prime example was a couple years ago, uh, I was out for opening day of deer season, and what I do also is I bring a one of those puffer bottles that, that puffs out, you know, as flour or whatever it is, dust. And it, uh, you know, check the wind, a wind checker. And it was opening day of deer season, and the wind actually wasn't great. But I got on my tree stand. It was it was okay where the way I thought the deer were coming, okay? But it wasn't perfect. Like, the wind wasn't totally in my face. It was kind of the side. But I thought, okay, well, it's still all right. But so I get up with my tree stand, and I and I'm at the base of a hill, right? And I pull out my wind puffer, and I puff, puff, and what I notice is my wind is the wind is actually going upwards, okay? And so it's like, oh, all right, well, that's uh, in typical thermal stuff where in the morning the heat rises, okay, cool. So actually, my winds good because my wind my scent's gonna rise and so and so I knew that well sure enough just a few minutes later this the buck I shot comes out and he's actually comes out downwind to me he is directly downwind to me he sees me moving because I start I'm like oh my goodness because he was a big buck. I couldn't I couldn't I didn't even have him on trail cam he's, I couldn't believe it and so I pull out my rifle and I'm like, oh man, here we go. And uh, this buck actually sees me, and he's downwind to me, right? And I'm like, oh man, here we go. And I was not actually, I was not wearing my my carbon suit for this hunt, okay? And most folks would have went, if they were wearing a carbon suit, they probably would have went, aha, look at that, my carbon. He was downwind to me, and he didn't scent me. Well. Actually, what was going on was the thermals were raising your scent, and the buck actually couldn't smell you. So, you know, I, I think that probably leads to a lot of confusion with folks. But anyway, that's a gross generalization. That's my opinion, and if you don't like it, I'm sorry. That's just how I feel. So, uh, but yeah, that's the big thing. Um, scent control is huge with bear hunting, and I'm very conflicted about it. So, there you go. Um, Anyway, so I was busted by that big bear. I wanted to shoot that big bear. Going back to the hunt here. I wanted to shoot that big bear bad. But uh, I got busted. I don't know what happened. 
I don't know. I'm not sure. And and you know, I set up my tree tree stand where I normally set it up there, and maybe that bear figured out that oh, this is where the hunter sits. I don't know. Maybe maybe another thing too is maybe that bear came in and was checking for other bears. I don't know. So I'll never know. <laughs> So anyway, I didn't get the bear. I snuck out. Uh, I did not get attacked. Um, and so that's what happened. So I was bummed. Uh, next day I went out, beautiful night, didn't see any bears. And Oh, and that one bear, I checked the trail camera the next day. That one bear was on the bait, I mean, five minutes after I left. So uh, it, it really, it was just waiting for me. So... Uh, so at that point, once I saw that, I knew, oh man, this is going to be tough to kill. This is going to be tough to kill a uh, uh, this big bear. And so at this point, too, I have already elk hunted, and I'm not a hunting celebrity or anything like that. I have a day job, and I have very limited vacation at this point. And so I'm running out of vacation, and there are certain work deadlines I had, and I was pushing my limits in terms of what my boss was going to let me take for vacation. And he's very understanding of my hunts, and he kind of lives vicariously through me sometimes, but I was pushing my luck. And so I knew, all right, I've got to make this happen. I, you know, Because the main thing I hunt for is I hunt bears for bear meat. That's what I do. Um, my goal every year is to put some bear meat in the freezer because that's with my family and I love eating it throughout the winter. Um, I'll tell you what, in these cold uh, Lake Superior fed winters we have here, when it's minus 20 out, nothing keeps you warmer than bear meat. It's just, it's incredible. Um, it, it's just like meant to be. When it's that cold, bear meat. Uh, it, it's just perfect. So my goal oftentimes is to, or it, my goal all the time is every year is I want to put some bear meat in the freezer. So, uh so I go, well, um, at this point, I, the hunt for the big bear is basically done in my mind. If it comes out, that's awesome. But I am going to shoot the next, you know, legal bear, which here, you, uh, any bear is legal except for south cubs or cubs. And obviously, I don't want to shoot that anyway. So, um, so... I was like, well, the next legal bear that shows up, I'm going to take, and I'm going to put it in my freezer. So, uh, I think it was, so, got busted. The next night, didn't see anything. So, the next night happens. It's about 20 to 30 minutes before last light, and finally, um, and so this, this, I see black out of the corner of my eye, and it's a little ways off, and a respectable young male bear comes out. Uh, I check him out. He's, you know, he's about 200 pounds, maybe a little under, but, you know, he's a solid-looking bear. And I said, that's good enough for me. So I waited for him to get to the bait, and um, I was about 20 yards away. And I shot him with my tried and true Tika T3 30 at six, and I was using uh, what I like to do at close range like that. Um, I actually sometimes use Remington Core locked uh, 220 grain bullets, and um, they uh, it's 
because you don't need lightning speed for that close. A nice slow bullet that'll get you deep penetration in case you hit the front shoulder or something's great. So I use that sometimes, and uh, that's what I was using, and just drilled it. Went um, drilled the bear. Uh, bear went 10 yards. So, and that's how my hunt end. Well, my hunt didn't end there. I had to get him out of the woods and. Everything was good. It was a beautiful night. It was very, actually pretty chilly. So it was a great way to end the hunt. So, but I put bear meat in the freezer and he was a fat bear. My goodness. Um, I got tons of bear fat off him. And uh, so a great eating bear too. Actually, that bear's probably been one of the best eating bears I've had. So very, very thankful and blessed to take that bear. So, and uh yeah, that basically was my hunt, so um, it was awesome. So um, that's basically how I do my long-range hunts. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's any other you know details to it. So I mean, the biggest thing is you can you can get away with with doing long-range hunts. You just have to make accommodations for it. You know, like like I did and you can be successful I mean I, I do it very consistently I did it in, in Canada with my um, listen to episode 2 uh, about my do-it-yourself Canada hunt for that one and you know I was able to do it there um, I've done it you know here in Michigan as well and I know you know other folks are very successful with it uh, Kyle up in Alaska we talked to last episode is and um, you know that's just what you got to do sometimes so I guess my point is don't let you know if you're like oh I can't bait every day I don't got time for that don't let that stop you if you're living in the Dakotas and you want to go hunt bears in Wyoming and it's I don't know what the drive is but um, you know say it's six hours go every weekend and do it you know you can um, there's no nothing you just have to make accommodations for it you know so and honestly, um, like if you're like, oh, I'm gonna go through tons of bait doing that, yeah. filler bait, um, you can do it pretty cost effectively. So, I mean, a hundred pound bag of oats, it, you know, is thirteen bucks, and it's basically, well, at least around here it's thirteen bucks. But you know, and that's that's the majority of a barrel. So you know, can you fork out? 13 say 20 bucks for a couple weeks to bait bears you know so but anyway so I guess that's it uh, I hope that answers some of your all's questions uh, yeah oh some I didn't touch on too so another thing with long-range baiting uh, is I don't you always hear you want oh you want two to three spots right bait sites so if one goes bad uh, you have a backup well when you're long-range baiting that's not necessarily possible there's no way like this last year there was no way I was going to run three bait sites you just can't I mean you're gonna go through even I mean triple the bait double the bait triple the bait whatever and it's just not possible so what I do is I I put a ton of time and work into scouting for a great spot. Now I'm you know at this point 
when if I want to do that hunt again, do a long range hunt like that here in Michigan, I would just go. I have an established spot now that I know consistently every year bears are at, you know, and so uh, if, but to mitigate that. Uh, you got to put in tons of time of scouting, right, and find a good spot where the bears are going to be. And maybe, you know, it takes a season to figure that out. But if you can find a good spot where the bears are uh, and it's consistent and you establish that bait site, you don't need to have multiple bait sites. And maybe you can start out, if you don't know, you can start out with three or something and then trim it down to one or two if you can handle two. But, uh yeah, that's just not possible, I guess, with long-range baiting. You basically, you just pick a, you got, you have to pick a quality spot, right, where the bears are going to be. So I've mentioned before, like, you know, for the late season hunt, I know the bears are going to be in the acorns. So I pick a spot where there's consistently acorns and, it, you know, with all the things a bear needs, you know, shelter, food, water. So, and I know there's bears there and I found bear sign and, you know, that initially when I picked the spot anyway. So that's big. Uh, so don't be afraid to just have a spot. And, and you know, and that can backfire. You know, obviously you want to have multiple spots for a reason, but you got to do what you got to do, you know. So uh, I guess an analogy for it would, would you rather have three beater cars? Because that's, that's, okay, so... If you have three spots and you're trying to do long range baiting, I I just don't see how you can uh, you know if you have other commitments like work or whatever, uh, I just don't see how you can you know give those bait sites the attention they need as in you know quantity of bait, uh, consistently baiting. I just you know it's tough. So the way I the way I analogy would be would you rather have three beater cars or would you rather have a ferrari <laughs> you know a brand new ferrari most likely the brand new ferrari isn't going to break down it could but you know or would you rather have three beater cars and two of them are you know they're going to probably break down but uh at least you got three of them i don't know the same that's my analogy so anyway oh, no, i don't have very good analogies sorry so anyway all right well um i guess that's it so if any of you have any more questions uh please email me or message me on instagram or facebook uh give me a like or a follow um so i really appreciate you all listening and uh listen to me rant here we'll do lots more of these q a sessions so um and uh tune in next week uh, we're going to be doing a little going out spot and stock hunting for once so uh anyway thanks for tuning in everybody and have a great night or day thanks bye